there's still so much that you know I part of the reason I was really wanting to have these podcast conversations is that like we couldn't do everything in the constraints of what we were doing you know in the time constraints in terms of like the episodes and stuff and I I just want this resource to be out there so that when people you know people who know Tammy already and people who find out about Tammy in the you know in 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 due course can like find even more information mm. and and um see how how influential Tammy is still um because I think you know I think she, it's so important that we we keep her message in mind Well, Keith, it's really great to have you on the podcast, St. Tammy, again for the second time. We're, we're so excited to have this second conversation with you and, and just to connect with you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here again and share what I know, and um, especially my experiences with Tammy and being around her like I was all the time. It was really one of the most wonderful uh, times in my life was being with her and working with her over many years, you know. Yeah. Just we were friends. You know, we were, we were friends first. And then later on, you know, I came to work at PTL and it was a wonderful experience. I, I was wondering, was there something that maybe you didn't share last time, some some important insight or, or some story that, that would help us understand Tammy Faye a little bit better? Uh well, yeah, there was a lot we didn't cover actually, but um, there's no, there's not enough time in, to uh, tell you about everything. I'm sure, but uh, one of the things I would like to talk about is her boldness in the Lord and um, <clears throat> her spiritual gifts that she had, and um, and she wasn't afraid to do things when other people were would try to discourage in doing it. And one of the things I noticed was early on when I became a Christian, um, I was still going to nightclubs and discos and that kind of thing. And which I don't think that's nothing's wrong with doing that kind of thing. It's just on in how some people look at it, I guess. But um, I was still going to nightclubs and um, I would go to, uh, to the gay disco in Charlotte. It's called the Odyssey. And it was a really nice place that was in Uptown Charlotte at the corner of Moorhead and Tron. And uh, it was usually a younger up, upper uh, crowd of men that would go there. And um, I noticed that sometimes there would be guys dressed as Tammy. <laughs> oh, wow. Impersonating her. And uh, I, I was just like, Oh my goodness, you know, and, but it wasn't disrespect or any, or anything like that. It was uh, they they I realized that they really loved her and could relate to her. And so, as I was noticing this, I I was pressed upon my I felt like the Holy Spirit was pressing upon my own spirit to pray that um, the Lord would make a way for town to be able to come. And minister to the gay community because I knew a lot of them felt rejected by the church, and because sure. I knew, I knew that I had been, I had felt that way also, and um, so over time, slowly over time, things started to develop, and I continued to pray about this for for many years. And the owner of the of the club, there was two guys that owned it, and I knew one of them. His name was Steve Freeman. He knew that I was working at PTL, and he came to me one day uh, when I was there one night and asked me if I thought that Tim would be interested in, in coming to his club and uh, singing. And I said, well, yeah, I think she just might do that, you know. And uh, so, but this was in the, oh, what year was it? Um, I think it was 1983, maybe Beth can help me remember, but it's when Jim and Tammy went to Hawaii for a conference. And uh, it was, uh, all the singers went, it was um, 
Huh? It was 1981, Beth says. And uh, every... There was, it was a huge event that was going on that PTL was sponsoring there in Hawaii. And partners from around the world were coming, and different uh, PTL club hosts were coming, where PTL had different programs on in different parts of the world. And uh, so Jim and Tammy was there when this invitation from Steve came in. So I went to, I believe it I believe Ruth, yeah, Ruth Egger, who was Jim and Tammy's secretary at the time, and Charlotte Rock, Whiting also was uh, in Tammy's office. Uh, I talked to them and, and told them about this uh, invitation that came. I also talked to Vicki Spur, who was Spurlo, uh, Thurlow Spurlow's daughter, Vicki uh, Spurlow, and, uh, and told her about the invitation. And uh, so I told as many people as I could because at that time we didn't have like cell phones, you know, where I could just call up Tammy while she's in Hawaii, you know. Right. I, I guess I could have found out her room, but you know, I didn't, we, we just didn't have that ability at the time. So, um, but this was during a time that was not good for Jim and Tammy. And uh, Jim came back, but Tammy did. This, and I'm not spilling any beans here. Everyone knows they were separated. Yeah. From that point on, they uh, they separated for a while. And Tammy didn't come back right away. And But um, Tam did come back. Their marriage, uh, they came back together in their marriage and um, had received counseling. And Tammy came to me and said, Keith, I heard about the invitation that came. And uh, I'm very interested, but I just don't feel like right now is the right time and for me to do that. But I want you to keep on doing what you're doing. Because mm -hmm. I had already started reaching out to the gay community, uh, letting them know that I thought that Tammy would uh, be willing to minister and work with them. And uh, I know she was. I knew that she would be, even though I hadn't really asked her about it at that time until she got back from California. And, um, but there was, you know, instances where she did reach out to them and did and minister. And everyone knows about the interview with the guy who had AIDS. And there was other people that were in her life that she was ministering to. And, Besides myself, and uh, and but nothing ever actually came of that invitation at that time. So I didn't want to go back to Steve empty-handed, you know, because I thought this was a big thing for him to come forward and ask Tim come and minister, basically minister at his club and. Mm. I, start, I was praying about it, and I asked the Lord, you know, I need somebody that I can, uh, that would, you know, do this kind of thing. And um, so, for some reason, so this one particular guy kept on coming into my spirit, into my mind. And y'all have, I know Helen has interviewed him. His name, he is, he is a PTL singer. And I did not know why, at the time, he kept coming to my spirit, uh, but it was Bob Balin. Bob is a, was a PTL singer uh, with the PTL Singers, and uh, uh, he's now uh, a singer in Nashville and has sung with some very well-known country music artists in Nashville as a backup singer. And um, he has his own ministry, too, where he ministers in Scandinavian nations. And so, but I went to... I went to Vicki Spurlow and talked to Vicki about it. She said, yeah, I think I'll we'll do it, but you'll need to talk to him. So um, she arranged for Bob and I to meet up, and we did, and I told Bob about it, and I actually took him to uh, meet Steve. And so they met and was planning on doing this, but in the meantime, <laughs> Bob... Got an opportunity to go to Nashville 
that's when he went to Nashville. And so it, nothing ever came of that. But later on, many, several years down the road, you know, scandal happens, everything's falling apart. But people are still interested, gay men are still interested in Tammy. And they know about me, so they come and ask through me if I can get her to do certain things, you know, like come to different events they're having. And I told them I would let her know and pass along the information. And so I did, and Tammy was starting to accept these invitations. And But she wanted to get back into church also. She wanted to get back into, you know, what she was more used to. And I tried, and so I was working that for her also. But that was very difficult at the time. And there was very few churches that wanted her back in. But so I started praying about it and I asked, Lord, you know, Lord, help me with this. And um, he brought to my mind, there's a lot of gay churches out there. And so I started calling people up, sending emails. And, and that's how that all started going for her. It was, you know, people slowly hearing that she was would be interested in ministering to the gay community and because she she loved she loved them you know she she had gay friends and she loved those men and women that were in her life that were gay and there's actually a lot of gay men and women in the ministry even the baptist church <laughs> so um it, it it turned out to be a very wonderful experience, you know, being able to help her with that and, and cultivate it for her. And, uh, but it actually started many years ago before most people realized, you know, that the work, the work that it took to get that going started years before it actually started really going, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So you're kind of, that's so interesting that even, you know, because, the interview with Steve Peters wasn't until later in the 80s. And obviously then later after the fall of PTL, she became more of a cult figure and was known to be supported by the gay community. But this is really kind of the early age, like 81, as far back as that. And already at that time, you had people, you know, in the club you were talking about who were fans of Tammy. So this was something that was really core to what she was doing. And it's so interesting that, like, I've always kind of wondered, like, what it was about Tammy that was so appealing to the gay community. Do you have any kind of like ideas about what specifically it was? Her honesty. She was very honest about life and mm -hmm. her, her own struggles. And uh, a lot of gay men struggle with that kind of thing, being accepted. Tammy had issues with being accepted by people. And, um, and men, especially gay men, seem to relate to that. And she liked nice things too and and you know she never hid any of that from anybody and you know gay men like nice homes nice clothing you know and that kind of thing you know she was interested in the things that they were interested in and um you know she talked about her relationship with jim you know they both were open about their marriage and all and so you know gay men have issues with relationships, you know, especially because of the way society is, and especially at that time, it was very more difficult to have a relationship with another man. Um, they just understood everything she talked about. And many of these men have been raised in Christian homes and uh, were either rejected by their community or even by their family at times. Mm. And, um, but she always showed love and understanding and acceptance to people. And I really believe that's what they latched on to. You know, they here's someone that they thought would understand them, you know, how they felt about life and, you know, and wanting to have a purpose in life and not being dismissed by society, you know, because they were a little different from, I guess, the majority of people, you know. So, but it, it was. It was a wonderful experience helping her with that, and I enjoyed working with her in that area. And, you know, as, as the word got out, more opportunities came for her that, you know, people would just, you know, call her up. You know, they 
somehow find her number. Uh, there was, uh, I'm trying to remember the nightclub owner in uh, Hollywood, uh, Los Angeles area. I think his name was Steve Forbes. Um, Studio One, I can't remember what's the name of that place. Anyway, it's a huge disco. Everybody who was anybody went to this place. And um, and he, him and his people helped me early on with some of this also get the word out about him. Hmm. Um, I never really knew him very well, but um, he liked Tam also. And there's a, actually, there's a lot of very well-known uh, celebrities who watch PTL, people in politics who watch PTL, uh, who Tammy especially ministered to. If I called some of the names, you'd recognize them instantly. Mm. You know, and um, and some of these people are gay too, but you know, not all of them. But you know, um, she ministered to all kinds of people, and you know. And they were from all different denominations, you know. And that's the good thing about town. She could reach out to many, many people. And, you know, they might not have a Pentecostal background like she had, but they related to her and understood because she explained the gospel so well and the love of Christ and the love of the Father, you know, she was just excellent at it, you know. <laughs> she was wonderful. You know, it it kind of strikes me that that Keith, as you as you were talking, maybe one of the things that drew, let's say, the gay community to Tammy was almost her sense of lack or or her struggle to belong, right? That that, that she had kind of been rejected most of her life, or she had that sense that she didn't quite fit in. I I just think that's a powerful idea that that sometimes the things that draw us to people are the things that we're missing or the things that we struggle with that that, that sounds like an interesting way to connect with others right i i think a lot of it for her started in her childhood like for me also she came from a very strong christian home but yet within the home there was these marital problems and I can't, I'm not really good at explaining it, but I know what that does to a child when your family's ripped apart sure. and there's struggling and arguments and stuff going on between the parents. And uh, I, so I think that caused a lot of insecurities for town. I know it did for me when I was experiencing it within my own family. And, um, and I'm learning that, you know, there's a lot of other people just like Tam and myself who come from broken broken homes. Uh, some of them are not broken. Some of them, the parents stayed together, but they have a bad relationship with each other. And um, and people still have, have these issues that they struggle with of insecurity, uh, not feeling like they measure up, not feeling like they're being accepted by people, you know, mm. and, and, you know, when you're a child, other children can be very cruel. I, um, because my father was well known uh, in Christian circles. Uh, you know, kids would sometimes say really nasty things to me about my dad. And, mm. you know, I love my dad, but yeah, I knew, you know, things he was doing wasn't right. But, um, you know, so all these things just kind of cause problems within people's lives and and they struggle with everything you know their own the way they were raised and wondering if what they were taught is actually true because it doesn't seem to be working you know, you know? Right. so um it's 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 a lot to struggle to deal with and so the town like i said in the previous interview i felt like she did very well with her life, with all the issues that she had to face in her life. And I felt like she was very successful in dealing with all of it. And um, and she taught me a, a lot also in how to deal with it. And I believe she taught these other people who just, you know, who may not have known her personally like I did, but who was watching the program and listening to her talk and, um, and what she sang about and how she lived her life, you know. 
she she was a very good example to all of us on how to live a life well, you know, mm. especially when you're dealing with so much struggles within your own life, you know. But it's so interesting because I feel like, you know, and I think particularly at that time in the 80s when, um, you know, the gay community was going through so much with AIDS and stuff, it's such a powerful, um, she was such a, you know, a powerful symbol for, for a lot of people. But it's interesting doing this, making this documentary about Tammy and I came to Tammy through my friendship with Jay and I grew up, you know, not in America. So I didn't know about Tammy until I was like in my late twenties. And then I kind of became obsessed with this woman. And I, you know, it's just amazing how many different people can identify with her. And, um, you know, in some ways, as, as Kike said, it's it's to do with the fact that she wore really everything that she was going through on her sleeve and like, you don't get out of life. And this is something that I feel like the secular world can learn from the religious world is that like, or the, the Christian world is that, you know, that there's, there's a lot of, uh, lots in sort of um, Christian thought that teaches us that life is really difficult, you know, and that you've got to have grace for that, that people are going through things and they, everyone has their cross to bear and it's, it's really hard. And I think sometimes in the secular world, things are painted as like, uh, oh, if something goes wrong, it's an accident, not a, not like an actual kind of integral part of being human. Mm. So I think, you know, something that Tammy, like part of her gospel that maybe people who are more secular are drawn to are the sort of, she actually allows you to realize, you no know, life is really hard and, but you have the capacity to go through it, you know, um, she, she has sort of songs about this. And I kind of felt like it's, it's interesting as well how in, and Don points this out, actually, um, we used a bit of archive in the film um, to delineate this, that Don points out that, you know, on, on, the show on PTL and as uh, PTL kind of fell apart and Jim and Tamara in the, the news a lot, it was always Tammy who was crying and seemed to be really over emotional and couldn't handle it. But actually deep down, she was really the tough one. Mm. And it was Jim possibly who, who wasn't quite as tough as Tammy and didn't deal with issues head on. And it's really interesting that someone like Tammy really kind of like lived out a lot of contradictions. Like we want to often pigeonhole people, you know, they're either tough or they're emotional. They're either masculine or they're feminine or whatever. And um, she really just lived, she, she, everything was so on the surface. And, you know, people in general are so complex. And I feel like often we have to feel like we have to have this narrative that makes sense to ourselves and other people. But Tammy kind of explodes those narratives and she kind of was really herself. Mm. In being herself, there are all these different contradictions that kind of, fit into that. And I always think about, you know, she's a Northern woman, but seemed like a Southern woman. You know, she was like, um, she was very into, uh, you know, uh, she she had this reputation for being very extravagant, but actually her, her jewelry was often, you know, a, a cardboard cutout covered in rhinestones. You know, she, she was very, you know, religious, but also really fit into the secular world. She was very, you know, she 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 almost looked like a drag queen, but she was also a woman already. You know, she had she really was somebody who, and I think for that reason, so many people are drawn to her. And it's funny that like now we're talking about her, and she she passed away, you know, over fifteen years ago. So it's just interesting, but it is interesting to me that possibly like maybe the first community that picked up on this was the gay community. Mm. Yeah, I I think. You're right about that, Helen. Um, you know, and from what I understand, a lot of them have been watching ever since Jim and Tam came to Charlotte. And um, you said something a moment ago I want to kind of address. Tam was one tough lady. She really was. But she was very tenderhearted also. Mm. Um, a lot of the crying that she would you know, people <clears throat> mention about, she. I didn't really think, personally myself, I didn't think she cried all that much. Well, I guess the others, she, she did. But um, it was for hurting people that she was cry, crying for. She cried for the, the lost, what we call the lost, the ones who don't know Jesus or God. And so, you know, she wanted to share the love of God with people. And because we know 
she knows, I know, many of us know what a difference that can make in your life. And she wanted other people to experience that. And I've seen tears just well up in her eyes. They didn't pour out, but you could, her eyes would water and, uh, real quick. And um, when she would be talking to someone and they would be sharing with her, you know, a struggle that they were going through. And, you know, I love that about her. She was so tender, with, had such a tender heart yeah, at the same time, she was a strong woman at the very same time. I mean, she was truly amazing. I, I keep saying that, but really, she really was amazing in so many different ways. So, um, yeah. But I think it's so interesting because I think often today, you know, you think about a lot of the stuff that really dominates culture, which is very oppositional and it's very like, I'm this category and this category of person and you're that category of person and this type of person has this views. If you're from this state, it means you vote this way. If you vote this way, it means you're this kind of person. But I think that's just like, Tammy is really an object lesson in the fact that none of those kind of ideological boundaries that we draw up are really true. And often things like, you know, um, you see this often in the way that like a lot of um, cultural discourse about men and women has sort of come about which maybe actually has got even more regressive than it used to be, where it will be now like people kind of reflexively think, oh, women do this, women make softer leaders. You've got to have more women, not because you have to have more women, but because women have a different kind of approach. But actually, Tammy just goes to show that, you know, the, 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 all of these kind of categories that people try to assign to, to distinguishing groups of people it kind of is exploded by Tammy because Tammy just sort of like, you know, she she was extremely tough, but four, four foot 11 and 80 pounds or something. <laughs> she really kind of, you know, and and I think often there's this sort of received wisdom that um, Christian people in America vote a certain way or have a certain set of beliefs. And I think that was a, you know, a lot, there were so many different reasons why, um, PTL fell apart at the time it did. And some of those reasons are, you know, big political reasons. And, you know, for instance, there was a lot of um, resentment against in the media class against like the vote for, for Reagan. And there was also this notion that maybe like everybody who was Christian was part of the religious right or whatever. And, you know, a lot of people kind of even now when you talk about Tammy and I know Jay, who unfortunately is a little bit unwell this morning, um, when he sometimes is, is talking about his mom, you get some people who are very, who consider themselves very progressive, who maybe don't recognize how, I don't know really what the word progressive means, but how liberal Tammy was, um, you know, that, oh, you know, this is just another right-wing conservative Christian and this isn't relevant anymore. But like Tammy goes to show <laughs> that just because you have a certain category of identity, quote unquote, it doesn't mean that you have the same values. You look at the values of someone like Jerry Falwell compared to Tammy at the same time, and it's just completely different. And right. I think it's very easy for people to kind of want to categorize people, you know, and Christianity itself kind of exposed this, obviously in this idea that you have to be the good Samaritan to other people and like a neighbor to other people. But it feels like today there's this real attempt to distance ourselves from other groups of people by saying, well, if you're this group of person, then you're this. If you're this group, you're person, then you're this. And it seems like Tammy was really able to just see through all of that. And I feel like maybe this leads on to the point that it's kind of hard to imagine now just how risky Tammy's positions on things like being open to the gay community were compared to a lot of the stuff that was coming out of the church at the time and how PTL was like an oasis for a lot of people. Yeah, I believe that's true. Um, as, you're, as you're talking, some things were coming to my mind and about how Tam could reach so many different people and and different cultures, too. I know the Hispanic people really loved her. Um, and I think she'll find it quite fascinating now that uh, a lot of my Arabic women friends, <laughs> they love her. You know, uh, they, you know, 
it's, you know, their culture is so different. I'm not saying it's wrong because I understand it because it's more based on uh, what a lot of people don't seem to understand is that uh, the Muslim believe a lot of the same way that Christians believe. Uh, they believe in, they, they know who Moses is. They know Jesus. They know all about Mary, uh, Noah. You know, a lot of these stories are in their holy scriptures. But um, even, you know, the Arabic women, the Iraqi, Lebanese, uh, Saudi women that I know, uh, have seen some programs on town and have seen some of the videos that I have of her and of the PTL club and they really relate to her, you know, and it's just amazing to me that she's still able to reach people and it's through the miracle of recordings and all that, you know, she's still reaching people even today, you know, and I've watched these Arabic women sit and cry as they're watching an old PTL program a Tam that I would put on, you know, because they would always ask, who's this woman in this picture, you know, and I would have to t tell them, oh, that's Tammy, you know, just, and I'd explain to them, and so um, I'd show them videos, you know, and, and so she's able to reach out to even now the people, bringing people together, and I believe, you know, through others who who have a ministry because of her, that is her working also. And she's still reaping harvests of souls today through what she's planted in us who she ministered to, you know, because that seed keeps growing, you know, more seed falls from that. It keeps growing and growing so she's got quite the reward in heaven, I'm sure of it. You mm. know, of all her, all that she's done with her, her own life. So uh, this was a question for both of you. I know when we started the podcast, we were kind of hoping that we could explore, you know, how Tammy Faye would help us navigate contemporary problems and issues and realities. Do you guys see any specific things that are going on in our world today that, that Tammy would maybe have a unique perspective on or, or would, would navigate in a certain kind of way that could be instructive for us? It's interesting because I feel like, you know, the world is changing so fast and there's so many things happening that it's kind of quite difficult to get like a diagnosis on what's going on right now. But definitely over the last several years, it's been very obvious how divided um, a lot of countries are, you know, the US and the UK, where we're from, um, and how there has been an inability of people to to talk to each other and to mm. see each other as people. And I think that, you know, um, even in the secular world, like to bringing into consideration this idea that you know, like Tammy was a universalist in a sense, you know, that she she really is, as Keith has pointed out, you know, ministered to people of all different faiths, all different denominations and um, different sexual orientations and everything like that. And I think that there's something in um, that perspective which shows that in a way, you know, Tammy, we can all identify with Tammy because she was an outsider. Mm. And in some senses, we're all outsiders. We try to fit in with a tribe and then identify ourselves with that tribe in opposition with the other tribe. But in a sense, there's something that unites everybody beyond the tribal boundaries, which is that we're all people. And being people means that we're we're outsiders and we we lack in psychoanalytic terms or we have sin in Christian terms or whatever. And Tammy really brought that to the surface. And I think that's why she's so identifiable with everybody, because she's, she really speaks to something universal. And I've always kind of felt that in the kind of economic system we live in and the political system, we do need to reinsert something that maybe was there, you know, um, when societies orientated themselves around religion more strongly. You know, people can argue for and against various belief systems, but often within belief systems, there's a, a release valve that kind of has a more kind of wisdom tradition or something more philosophical that helps you live with other people and community with other people. And it feels like we've kind of 
lost that a bit as we've become so, um, you know, as, as things have become so, um, I mean, there's a, there's a, an economic philosopher we know who says that all that is solid melts into air. So, you know, lots of things, traditions break down and, and systems of thought break down and there's not that much for people to cling on to. And in a sense, everybody feels alienated. And the more alienated you feel, the more you desperately cling on to mm -hmm. ideas and magical ideas. And then you sort of oppositionalize and you think identity. identity and you think the world would be perfect if it wasn't for this scapegoated other person. And Tammy really talks about scapegoating a lot in her ministry yeah. and identifying with the scapegoat. And she herself was scapegoated, you know. We talk about cancellation a lot today and in a sense you know she was cancelled and the cancelled party in a way is sort of like the cultural scapegoat where it's like everybody's worried and feels alienated and nervous and they're all like oh as long as i don't i don't want to be cancelled i don't want to say the wrong thing and then as soon as somebody has done something wrong everybody can get behind cancelling that person because it's at least it wasn't me but tammy was that person and she survived you know so I think there is something in this oppositional um, political space in the way that um, philosophically we've lost sort of insights that have existed for, for a long time, which kind of tell us how to deal with the difficulties of life. And maybe in learning about those ideas, there's something that can help us build sort of fairer and more equal societies that, that lead us to be more neighborly and lead us to not therefore... Um, engage in more and more kind of oppositional thought. There's this Irish comedian, I know we've maybe talked about this loads of times, that who says war isn't conflict, it's the inability to do conflict. Yeah. And she was very good at doing conflict. I think that's actually something that differentiated her from Jim, that Jim was much more maybe nervous of, of conflict and of dealing with some of the difficult things that were going on with the ministry at PTL. But Tammy ran to the raw, right? Like, you know, that life is difficult and we live in community with loads of different people with different ideas and different desires and you've got to have it out but in like a healthy way and you can't be afraid of that you have to you know and we become more and more and more isolated as you know obviously COVID did this in a way um where we all had to sort of um stay at home and we're not really confronting people as much anymore and we're sort of always on screens and social media and we mm -hmm. miss that kind of interpersonal thing but I think Tammy really she was somebody who really had a commitment to other people. And I think that that's something that's missing in society, that commitment to other people. We live yes. almost in a kind of solipsistic age, which is like, this is me, my identity is about me, this is my social media feed, and less about the community of people. So I think like reintroducing that as well as certain kind of ideas, I mean, it sounds maybe a bit far-fetched for some secular listeners, but sure. like, some of those more um, wisdom traditions that have something to say philosophically about how to live in community with other people. And what it means to be human and to be a person and a subject exactly. and how we relate to others. You know, I'm, I'm going to, Keith, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So in my other podcast this week, I'm going to talk to a scholar who works out here in Texas, and she's a specialist in something called post-oppositional politics, which is just a way of saying exactly what um, Helen's been talking about. And she's big on not just focusing on just building relationships with people, but having kind of an invitational approach to life where you create space and invite people in to try to have these conversations. And I'm just curious if that would have resonated with Tammy, this this invitational approach to life rather than just judging and cutting things off so quickly. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she would. I mean, that's really what PTL was all about, you know, just bringing people in. You're all welcome. Mm. Everyone's welcome at the Lord's table. Mm. And um, doesn't matter who you are, rich, poor, black, white, uh, gay, straight, um, Muslim, Baptist, whoever you are, you're welcome here. And um, Tim, yeah, Tim would be welcoming everybody you know there's really no one that she would turn her back on that i can think of i mean really i've never seen it forever you know uh turn her back on anyone we talked about jerry falwell one day and um 
that was a hard subject right mm. there because, you know, that man inflicted so much pain and misery on a lot of people's lives who were at PTL. And what well, is, you know, but it, 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 it took me personally a very long time to get to the place where I could forgive him mm. because it, it changed the direction in my life. But when you look at the big picture, you sometimes wonder if it wasn't all in God's plan anyway. And so Tam and I was talking about him one day, and it's about to make me cry as so I'm talking about. So I told her, Tam, I said, I've, I've learned that I have to forgive him, and I have forgiven him. And, you know, in the, and I told her, you know, there are times where I struggle with that, even though I know that I have forgiven him. Sometimes these feelings come back up again, and you're dealing with it again. So you're constantly, you know, may have to do that, but you know that you must do this and forgive the man. And she said, Keith, I understand exactly what you're saying. She says, I've forgiven him also, and I've tried to reach out to him and let him know. But, uh, but you know, he never would respond to her, you know, so... Uh, she was able to forgive people who hurt her very deeply. And I can't think of anyone. Well, you know, there's probably others who hurt, hurt her just as deeply, but um, she, she was able to forgive people. And um, yes, and, and I'm sure she may have even invited her into her home at some point mm -hmm. if she, she had had the opportunity, you know. So yeah, I believe that she would have been welcome to anyone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think I know what you're referring to and it's the stuff that we didn't get into in the documentary because it's almost too too raw. And I know that Tammy did forgive people and I know that other people have found it difficult to understand that Tammy did. And also, in a way, because of Tammy's forgiveness, there's some things out there that aren't known you know, um, but that it's difficult to talk about and probably not right to talk about because Tammy's forgiven them and and maybe it's not the right time to kind of bring certain things to the surface, you know. Well, um, and I know that, um, yeah, it's, it's different. I, there were certain things that I struggled with that I, I really wanted us to get into in the film. One thing in particular, and I, you know, and it was, it, it seemed like it wasn't the right place because I feel like it, well, there, there are various, there are various factors, but I guess I sort of was like trying to um, think about what maybe Tammy would have wanted or Tammy would have done, but who, who knows, you know, but mm. there are people that I think if people knew the full story um, would be surprised that the family and Tammy didn't, make things more clear um but yeah certain people are still alive and everything like that but it's uh tammy went through a lot right she did and but you know what she she was not afraid to ask for forgiveness either mm -hmm. uh i'll tell you of an instance i was doing some work well, I was already working again with Tam after PTO. And then she had asked me to help her daughter, Tammy Sue. Well, <clears throat> I was going to do this. Uh, and I was already working on trying to get things going for her. But there was this one guy who had come to me. He's wanting a connection with Tam. And he was a hairstylist out of Atlanta, Georgia. And... Um, he had told me he had uh, been Dolly Parton's uh, fan club president. I had never checked that out until, but later on I had um, met some of Dolly's family, Dolly's aunt, Dorothy Joe Owens, and found out that this was not true, but it was already too late. I had already introduced him to town and got him connected with town. And then he comes to me and asks me if I would connect him with Tammy Sue. And I said, well, you, you, 
I thought that was a weird question. You know, why don't you just ask Tam? It's her daughter. Let her give you Tammy Sue's phone number. And uh, um, but he wanted me to give it to her. I said, well, I'll ask her and see if it's okay. Well, I talked to Tam about it, and uh, she said, well, you really need to talk to Tammy Sue about it. So I did, and I told Tammy Sue. And this guy had been really nice uh, for several years with me. And uh, and was wanting to help me within my ministry with uh, the different Christian artists that I was working with. And but he was mainly focused on Tammy. And uh, so, make a long story short, uh, I talked to Tammy Sue about it, and she said, "Yeah, go, go ahead and give him my phone number." Well, one night he called, and I gave him Tammy Sue's phone number. And the moment. I am not exaggerating. The moment that I gave him Tammy Sue's phone number, he hung up the phone. We never spoke again. Mm. I thought that was like really weird. He didn't say goodbye or anything. The moment he had that number, the phone went dead. And so I picked up, I, I started dialing my phone and I called Tammy Sue. And I said, Tammy Sue, something's wrong. I just gave him your number. I'm calling and and I was going to tell Tammy Sue this, but her phone number was busy. So I wasn't able to get through. He, is, he was already on the phone with her. Well, to make a long story short, I told Roe and I told Tammy together that something's not right here. And I told them exactly what happened. And uh, this was a, a little bit sometime after, several, like a month afterwards. And... Um, they said, well, this guy seems to be doing good by Tammy Sue. I said, I don't care what he's doing. Something's not right. I feel it in my spirit now. I wish I'd known this before, but something is not right. Well, it turns out he was a huge stalker. Mm. And <clears throat> there was a lot of problems with him. And Roe Ro told me he had to get an attorney to get this guy away from him. And you know, the thing about it, when I went to Roe and Tammy about this, you know, they, they could, it's, it's like they couldn't believe what I was saying to them because they were seeing something different at the time of this guy. But later on, I received a note from Roe and Tammy, and they apologized for not trusting me and believing me when I came back to them and told them, there's something wrong with this guy, you know, this is what happened, and you know, it's just not right. And I found out that he's never worked for Dolly Parton or anyone else really who, you know, a celebrity type person. And, uh, but they wrote me the sweetest, sweetest note. Keith, we're so sorry. We, you know, you are a trusted friend and we should have listened and believed in your judgment. And I still treasure that little note to this day. And, but, you know, she, but she wasn't above asking for forgiveness herself. You know, I mean, we all make judgmental type mistakes. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to hold it against them. But um, I just thought it was very sweet that she, both her and Roe, could ask me to forgive them for not trusting me more, more with what I had learned about this guy after I had had that experience with him. So... You know, not many people will ask you for forgiveness. They'll just go on and hope, you know, it never comes back up again. You know, but they, they did ask, you know, for, for forgiveness. So no, I, thought, I thought that was really wonderful. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. It is, it is very rare and it's very difficult to do as the person who's asking for forgiveness. And sometimes you can you know because there can be two sides of every story or whatever and you can have resentment and anger for somebody else's part but to own your part in something is is very very difficult and it does seem that in the culture today there's a very there's a lot of righteousness yes and a lot of understandable righteousness because things are really difficult for a lot of people um and i think a lot of people see through things like social media and stuff that it's really it must be really easy for other people and i think other people people imagine that somebody's got to be having it easy because like otherwise how would society be functioning or something so i think it's it's often difficult for people to to get to the place of understanding that you know for that social fabric to to function properly like being a kind of 
yeah, somebody who does seek forgiveness can can really in the long term be be a good thing really and but it is very difficult for people to own up to to things for sure and i i yeah i think that we do we are encouraged often to be righteous today um rather than to ask for forgiveness right and something uh uh was asking about what do you think tam would be saying today to people yeah i think she would want to really address the christian community uh, and and just tell people you can't be this way. We have the op- we have the power and the opportunity to change the world, and we do. And uh, but you can't. You've got to put on the mind of Christ. You've got to put on the way He thinks about these about life and about righteousness and holiness and uh, relationships and. You can't go and be mean, judgmental and mean to people all the time. You just can't. That, you're not winning people. You're not winning souls this way. You may scare them a little bit for a time where they might turn for a while, turn, you know, to Christ, to God Almighty. But oftentimes that's short-lived, and then they just revert back to the way they we're living, uh, what town was about was building relationships and building a relationship with God and his son, Jesus. And, and that's how the world has changed. And, you know, and that's how the ancient Christians changed your world. And that's how we are supposed to be doing it today is by building relationships with people and, showing them Christ, not judging them and condemning them all the time. You know? And Tam wasn't, she wasn't someone who condemned people. She loved people and tried to help people all the time. Mm. I think about the ministries, all the ministries that were within PTL, of everything that PTL was involved in, uh, the prison ministry, the unwed mother's home ministry, the feeding the hungry and uh, also getting the gospel out through the airways and everything, uh, the children's ministry, everything, you know, they, they were constantly reaching out all the time, trying to develop new ways to reach people and, uh, bring the message to people and let people know that they're loved just the way they are. You don't have to change anything for me. You don't have to change, but you know, if, there's any changing that needs to be done. God has a way of doing it that it isn't going to, you know, it's easy his way. You know, it's, it, you're not going to have such a hard struggle with changing your life if you let Christ lead you in your life. You know, really, you learn to love him and you want to please him. And, uh, and he gives you peace and you want to follow that peace. That's what I've experienced learned in my own life is if I'm not feeling peace about something, it's usually that it's not for me, you know, so I try to follow where he's leading me and he leads me oftentimes through peace. And I know that she felt the same way also. But it is, it's so interesting how, you know, Christianity, how, how some elements of, of within the church can be so far from that message of Jesus and that, message of Jesus is actually something that's, you know, not like legalistic or oppositional, but a message of love. And that's something that everybody can get behind. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's very um, practically applicable and, and useful and really important for, for living in community with other people. It's sometimes I feel like we, we live in a world where we forget that we're on a planet with seven billion other people, you know. We're so in our phones and and on screens and stuff. And it, but it is interesting how some elements of all kinds of institutions, but you know, within the church, you know, it's it's interesting to point out, particularly because Jesus is such a key figure in the church. You know, right. how there can be such a deviation from from something that's actually so key. In the name of the 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 institution that Jesus represents, so 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that Tammy would really have a word to say to the church itself. Right, she would. And, you know, she's demonstrated it so many times throughout her life. Uh, I remember her and Jim ministering to people you'll never hear about. You know, uh, like I told you about the time she'd give her jewelry away to people. There, uh, there was one time there was some property that bordered Heritage USA, and um, I think PTL bought this property, and but it had an old run-down mobile home on it, and uh, I believe it was an elderly couple. It's been so long ago, I don't remember all the details. But um, PTL, uh, Jim, you know, because he's head of PTL, uh, purchased the property, and they purchased this family a new home, you know. From what, I, from what I remember, it was like the curtains were hanging out the windows, you know, it's all run down. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Appalachian, West Virginia kind of run down place. And, um, but they, you know, they cared for people and they didn't want people suffering. And, and so, you know, they reached out to people individually all the time that, you know, that was never, talked about on air on the program or anything like that you know mm. constantly i kind of think it's interesting you know that there was such this reputation within the mainstream media of jim and tammy when when pcl fell that it was to do with you know greed and avarice was a word um that jerry Falwell used um but you know it was about selfishness and 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 taking money for themselves but the fact is it was like you could argue it's the precise opposite you know uh, Businesses often work when, um, and not that it was a business, it's a, it's a church, so it's a, a different thing, but an organization can function when, you know, money isn't spent in this sort of charitable way. It's the fact that they were actually giving it away, potentially, that that led to some of the issues. And, you know, one we've talked about the statistic a lot, but one thing that I just find really shocking that was not um, included in the, in the case was that um, Jim and Tammy took salaries but the um, royalties from their records and books that they um, took in the last four years of their ministry was, well, they didn't take the royalties. They put the royalties back into the ministry, and that was double the amount of the salaries that they were given during that time. So if they hadn't taken salaries at all, you know, they would have got double the money and not been so, you know, accused. But the fact is, it's like, it's funny how within, you know, that this sort of big sort of swarm of... Um, of the cultural mood at the time of accusing them of all kinds of things that were actually the complete antithesis of the truth. And actually, if you logically think about it, you can, you can say, I think, you know, we can say there was financial mismanagement and, and, and things like that, but you know, it was, it was the antithesis of greed and avarice in a sense that it, it was almost a kind of um, um, a commitment to something, a vision that Jim had that that was all about the vision, you know, it wasn't really about the self. And there was so much um, charitable work going on. And maybe if they had been, a, if, you know, Jim especially had been a bit more restrained, then PTL might have like continued on. But it's just so funny how the, um, the wider cultural, um, you know, kind of received wisdom at the time was so different to the reality. Mm. It's, it was so shocking to me just how far apart that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Tam's recordings were huge mm -hmm. hits, and people paid big bucks for those uh, recordings. I remember records going, you know, at times going for $100, uh, wow. $1,000, you know. Uh, Jim would hold it up and <laughs> say, you can have it for $100 or whatever. I remember one time in that theater, uh, he was, um, you know, offering uh, the run to the roar, album which is really cute cover i don't know if you've seen it but tammy facing the lion and uh <laughs> it was offering it for a hundred dollars and people you know they came down they they many of them got several copies you know so and that money did go back into the ministry they didn't keep that for themselves you know and so tammy was probably one of the biggest contributors to ptl you know because of her royalties that she got from her recordings, you know, mm. uh, back into the ministry. So she was probably one, 
I would think she was probably the largest contributor to the deal. Yeah. Wow. So, but I, one thing I wanted to bring up too about Tam was reaching out to the gay community. I had to ask other Christian artists to do this kind of thing also, who I knew personally they were gay friendly. Mm -hmm. They were gay friendly. They were gay friendly, but they were afraid to step out on that platform and minister to the gay community. They were afraid they would lose their uh, their ministry and support from other people. And but you know, Tam had by the time she really got into it, um, which I believe the Lord was preparing back in the early '80s for her to be able to continue to do ministry later on after PTL because we didn't know what was was in store for us. You know, we didn't know that PTL was going to fall apart. You know, but I believe the Lord built was building her a platform for this time after PTL. Okay. And and then when the opportunity came for her to really get into it, she jumped into it and she did not care what anyone else thought. Where these other Christian artists, they won't do it. They're afraid they'll lose the ministry. You know, so Tammy was very bold in a lot of ways. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that she was because it really has made a difference in a lot of people's lives. You know, there's, I meet people still today who, oh, you knew Tammy Baker? Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> it's, You'll hear wonderful stories about how watching the PTL program blessed their lives, you know, and how people miss it. People miss that program. There's not another program like that anywhere on Christian television today. You know, you know that's something yeah. I really appreciate about Jay, too. You know, her son, I know he, he was not feeling so well, so he couldn't be with us. It's just, you know, even if it's on social media, he has tremendous conviction and courage, even if he gets backlash. He, he's going to go with, you know, what he feels is right. And he's going to try to love all sides, even when he disagrees. And so well, it sounds like Tammy was just like that. She was. And I'm proud of Jay for being the way he is, too. I know it's been hard for him. He's um, received a lot of rejection also. But one day he's going to really reap the rewards for the work he's been suffering that he's done for Christ. You know, he... He's an amazing young man, and I'm sorry that he's experienced so much hurt in his life, and I know he's going through a lot right now, but um, he'll make it. He will make it because he's Tam's son. Mm. I think he takes more after his mother than he does his dad. I think Tam Sue probably takes more after her father than she does her mother. But I can definitely see Tammy and Jamie Charles, you know, mm. so. So I know I have to jump off in just a little bit. So I was just going to ask, was there anything else that either you, Keith, or Helen wanted to share before we sign off? Um, I can't think of anything right offhand, uh, but I have enjoyed these conversations with you two. I have as well. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing all the stories and your perspective. It's been great. And it's really fascinating to hear, you know, because there's there's so much depth to this this stuff, and I hope that you know we, we've made this film, but I hope that the film is just a start of something. You know, it's not like this film happens and then this conversation doesn't keep going on. I hope that like in right. popular culture going on, and there's still so much that you know. I part of the reason I was really wanting to have these podcast conversations is that like we couldn't do everything in the constraints of what we were doing. You know, in the time constraints in terms of like the episodes and stuff, and I. I just want this resource to be out there so that when people, you know, people who know Tammy already and people who find out about Tammy in the, you know, in in, in due course can like find even more information mm -hmm. and and um, see how how influential Tammy is still. Um, because I think, you know, I think she, it's so important that we we keep her message in mind. Yeah, well said. Well, Helen, I know that you spearheaded all of this, and I, for one, appreciate what you, the hard work, because I know this kind of work is very hard to pull all this together, all these people together, 
get the financing for it. Thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's definitely been really hard. Mm. I was saying to Beth, who's who's really helped with us today, that um, we had a bit of a setback this week, but um, you know, and there's and there's ways that like um, obviously. The, the film industry is such a hard industry to, ma- to 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 navigate for so many different reasons, and there's things you can't do and restrictions that are put in place. And I, I just really hope that um, we've done right by Tammy because, yeah, I, I just think it's so important. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Helen. Yeah, uh, thank you. You're, you're doing the world of service. Uh, you're thank doing. You. <laughs> Your honor and it's wonderful. Thank okay. you. I just want to say to you also, I'm watching what you're doing too. Thank and you. I love, I'm learning about you and uh, I'm hoping to learn more. And you're doing a good, much needed work also with your work for me. On thank you. Know, you. So. All right, guys. Well, it was great connecting. Thanks so much. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, everybody.